Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast, part of the Full Press Radio Network. My name is Kyle Senra, and joining me are my co-hosts. Gonna have to get used to the plural again. Uh, as always, Alessandro Senator. How are you, Alessandro? Don't talk to me today. I'm crying. Hey. Uh, all right, good. Well, <laughs> won't talk to you at all this entire episode. Just kidding. Uh, and joining us is our now new co-host, uh, someone who guested on the show before and uh, really impressed us with her with her fantasy football knowledge. Everyone, please welcome, as the first time as a co-host, Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for asking. And well, and thanks for joining us. And uh, we now have a new trio, um, power trio, I guess, uh, to go with rock bands. Um, but yeah, we are doing our week one preview episode. So we've got quite a bit to digest after, or sorry, week two preview episode. I have to figure out what week it is first and then uh, and then digest the games. But yeah, uh, after seeing what happened in week one, we have, uh, I guess, a lot to kind of anticipate. We don't really know how much, you know, the things that didn't go as expected. Or were they anomalies or is that really the new truths? So uh, week two is kind of always interesting to figure out uh, how much stock do you put into one week versus a whole offseason of preparation. So uh, it's kind of the rubber meets the road week. And uh, if you guys want, we can get right into it right now. Sure. All yeah, right. Well, uh, so we're recording this on Thursday, so the first game is only a few hours away. It's this uh, Thursday night divisional matchup between the Buccaneers and the Panthers. Alessandro, as a writer for FPC Panthers, you can take the lead on this matchup and kind of give us uh, you know, the players you think we should play and the ones we should avoid. Well, there's, this is a um, going to be an interesting one. So the Bucs played the... The Bucks played the Panthers this week in Carolina, and so home field advantage automatically goes to Carolina. Obviously, the Bucks, it's going to be a tough matchup against them. Um, I'm not going to say it's a blowout because I know from experience, interdivisional rivals, they always play each other harder. So unless it's like a stack defense against a non-stack defense, it's going to be uh, it's going to be a close game. Um, especially with this supporting cast. So Cam Newton, he didn't injure himself, but he was slow to get up, and he was acting generally during their first week one game against the Rams. Um, he didn't look too good. There was a lot of overthrown balls, a lot of underthrown balls. So that shoulder that uh, we were all worried about, it's starting to uh, act up, and it's starting to become a question again. Um he said he feels great. He's fine uh, during the entire uh, training camp. Not training camp. Uh, practice camp week. He says he's ready for Thursday. That he's all good to go. But that shoulder still scares me. And then um, he hurt his uh, ankle or his foot. One to two. Something along that general area. So I feel like his uh, run ability is going to be very limited. Which is going to get Chris McCaffrey another big day. McCaffrey ran for uh, 128 yards on 19 carries and added 10 catches for 81 yards. 200-yard day, and he had a couple of touchdowns. Expect McCaffrey to have another you know, big day against the Bucs, especially since they uh, ranked last in a lot of uh, categories, including the run stop. Um, it's the, I mean, Olsen, he's a little bit banged up, so I wouldn't trust Olsen. Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore are looking for a big games, but uh, they're a little bit hesitant with DJ Moore because he had a couple fumbles. And in most people's eyes, that's no bueno. 
So they're looking for him to have a nice bounce back game. So uh, I would trust Chris Samuel more and DJ more for the time being. Obviously, I want to need a bigger sample size for I fully tr- trust either of them. But um, Curtis seems to have the edge over Samuel. Um, as, that's as far as the Panthers offense. Uh, you got Winston under center for the Bucks. Uh, he didn't do so bad, but he did throw a couple of interceptions, three to be exact, uh, during their defeat against the 49ers. It wasn't pretty at all, and um, the only thing I would say is the defense is a lot better. Um, the, defense, the, the front line is a lot better, I should say. Uh, they got Sue, so... With the shaky O-line that Carolina has, the Bucks may score a couple of uh, um, sacks on Newton, which, uh, depending on how hard they hit him, it could spell bad news for the Panthers. Ronald Jones is set to have a massive work week. Um, ah, I can't think of his name. Um, one of the guys went down, and so uh, Ronald Jones is set to have a massive day. Payne Barber, I'm sorry. I uh, couldn't think of the name. Payne Barber, he got hurt a little bit, so Ron Jones looks to be the lead back. I, I expect him to have a decent day. He had 13 carries, 75 yards, and a game against the 49ers. And he was even involved in the passing game. He, he caught one catch for 18 yards. So um, keep an eye on Ronald Jones. And then, uh, again, Mike Evans. Love the guy. He's going to be good. Um with the secondary in Carolina, it's going to be a little bit of a crapshoot. But uh, Mike Evans, if he's really as great as everyone says, and I truly believe that he is, he's going to get past that one. He's going to burn Eric Reed, and he's going to burn uh, Mulberry. So uh, I think he could do good. And Chris Godwin, their number one wide receiver, he's definitely going to have a nice day. So you got Godwin, you got Evans, you got Jones on the Buck side, and then um, – as far as Carolina, you're looking at pretty much McCaffrey and Samuel and DJ Moore as your best bets. If you want to get real frisky, you go for the Carolina defense, but I'm not going to get that frisky today. Actually, the Carolina defense would be a good play, considering you know a lot of the same things you said about the Bucks defense. has such a great D-line and not-so-great O-line uh, for Carolina. It kind of feels like the opposite side of that matchup applies as well. Great defensive line from the, the Panthers, and Bucks really don't have a good offensive line, so... Uh, I don't know. I, I'd be, feel pretty happy with the uh, the Panthers' defense, but I think all in all, uh, Vegas projecting this to be the fourth highest scoring game of the week. It's got the fourth highest over under, forty nine points right now. Um, and I, you know, I, kind of based on your comments there, with both defensive lines playing so well and both offensive lines struggling a little, that that number, it, you know, the game total might disappoint on that number, where it won't be as high scoring of a game as we thought. I mean. I know I thought the same thing of the Bucks last week, that that would end up with a shootout, and uh, really it didn't. So I guess I'm a little hesitant to fully go into this game and, and you know play most players. I think the obvious starters are going to be obvious starters. I guess O.J. Howard's the one player you didn't really touch on. But considering... well, I don't have to touch on O.J. Howard. He's, he's, he's a very excellent tight end, and Carolina has been known to get burned by a tight end position. So... I mean, just disregarding that fact, O.J. Howard's a really good tight end. I would I would still play O.J. Howard irregardless. And I think where he was drafted, you kind of have to play him. You know, if anyone who made that early tight end investment, I know in every league I do, I I only go with the one tight end if I'm going to make the early investment and just ride him out the whole season. So you're right. It kind of 
he's either maybe not the talent in the production to be an every week starter, but considering his draft cost, he is for the time being now an, an every week starter. Uh, I guess the one concern with the off with the running back situation is that, or maybe it's I don't know if it's a concern or it's a good news, but Jones played the third most snaps among running backs in the Bucks. Yeah, he was the most productive, got the most goal line carries. So even though he wasn't on the field as much, it seemed like he was getting some of the more prime opportunities. So I think that's kind of good news. Kayla, do you want to say anything about this matchup? Yeah, um, I think that this is going to be a bounce-back game for Mike Evans. I mean, last week, um, you could just tell when he was playing, you know, he was dealing with that illness. So he even took himself out of some of the plays. I mean, there were multiple reports on that after the game, too. So he was definitely under the weather. So, I mean, you don't see many players taking themselves out of games, trying to come back. Obviously, he tried to be in there as much as he could. But just, you know, he's not feeling well. He's not himself 100% when he's coming in and out of the game because he's dealing with his illness. Um, As of right now, he's not on the injury report. Uh, Whatever illness he had must have subsided. Uh, I think, you know, bringing up the... Vegas point total line right now. Uh, This game is either going to be a shootout or it's going to be a very low scoring game. Um, Obviously, Tampa Bay is going to have to throw the ball. I mean, I know Ronald Jones is coming in there, but uh, I'm not I'm not sold on him yet. Um, So even though Carolina knows that Tampa Bay is going to be throwing the ball, either Jameis Winston is going to have a good game and he connects with his receivers or they're going to be settling for field goals or hoping to get in field goal range. I'm not sold on Jameis Winston. I wouldn't start him. Um, honestly, I unless he shows me this week that, you know, he can keep pace with Cam Newton, um, even though they have a plethora of offensive weapons and their wide receivers and tight end OJ Howard, like you said, I'm not convinced on Jameis Winston to be a starting quarterback in my fantasy league. Um, I don't think people should trust Jameis Winston. There's definitely more options out there, um, but this game will help give me more of a sample size. Like you said, Alessandro, on just where Jameis Winston stands as a quarterback. I know I dropped him in a, a single QB league because there's so many quarterbacks available just go with the matchups. I think I end up picking up Philip Rivers, you know, a potential shootout in a dome in Detroit, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Oh, I love Philip Rivers. I draft him every year. He always <laughs> ends up in the top five, at least in the, one of the leagues I play uh, in quarterback production. So I'll always take him if I can. He tends to be safer. I, I tend to like that in single quarterback leagues where I take a quarterback late. So I make sure my other positions are stocked up and I, you know, I don't want my quarterback losing me the week with risky options, whereas a, a guy like Winston, who's more risk-averse, I, I like him more in super flex leagues as a QB2, if I have a solid QB1. But yeah, definitely in single quarterback leagues, I'm if there's better matchups out there, I'm not afraid to drop Winston right now. Because I, I agree, that I think he will probably still struggle, maybe throw some more interceptions. Uh, one element of Mike Evans, though, that may be underrated a little bit, is that Richard Sherman looked really good. Uh, and again, maybe it was because Evans wasn't feeling the greatest that Sherman was able to get the best of him, but I don't think the Panthers have a corner that is anywhere near what Sherman provides. So I, I think even if Winston struggles, Mike Evans should still produce well. Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, Richard Sherman is one of the premier uh, corners in the league. I mean, granted, he's trailed off a little bit in his, what, was this, his eighth year, something like that? I mean... 2011 draft? Maybe his ninth season? So, yeah, I mean, he's been in the league a while. He knows the, he knows the league. He could take uh, the hit. He could give hits out. So, I mean, it's it's not like you're playing up against a rookie, so to speak. Um, but the thing is, Mike Evans is one of the better wide receivers versus a much better corner. 
obviously he's going to lose the matchup. He may get a couple love here and there. He's going to lose the matchup. But Carolina defense, it, it, it got burned last year, and it got burned a year before. I mean, passing yards allowed Carolina, 239 last year. I mean, that's – well, no, that's uh was last week. They allowed that much. I mean, that's not – you can't do that. Uh, and especially when you got Mike Evans and a hardly a secondary that can do anything like that, that's not looking good. I mean, granted, uh, they do they can't they have very good linebackers, so they could probably put uh, him on spy and undercut the route just in case for the linebacker. But even still, Mike Evans is a very good wide receiver against a very terrible secondary. Um, yes. The spread the spread on this alone set they're giving seven points to uh, the Bucks. You know, Panthers if, to the Panthers. Yeah, I'm sorry. They're, they're giving seven points to the Panthers. So, I mean, I feel like it's going to be about that, maybe 10-point game, give or take. All right, I guess we'll see. Um, now, speaking of Richard Sherman, we're talking about the 49ers next. So, Kayla, why don't you lead off on this 49ers versus Bengals match? Yeah, so uh, even though San Francisco is at Cincinnati, I have two definite starters for San Francisco. Obviously, the most obvious right now is tight end George Kittle. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from injury, just 27 passes, and uh, 10 of those passing targets in week one did go to George Kittle. Now, whether that's because Dante Pettis, their number one wide receiver, is injured and they didn't use Marquise Goodwin that much, I don't know. Um, They did try to run the ball a lot. Um, Then the other one, talking about running the ball, is uh, running back Matt Breida. He was the backup to Tevin Coleman, but Tevin Coleman is out this week with an injury and is expected to miss a couple of weeks. Um, So Matt Breida, when he played a lot last season, he was solid. Um, He had a decent yards per carry. I didn't exactly write down what that was. I just read it earlier doing my research. I should have. My apologies. but he can carry a full workload. He doesn't need to be a committee running back. He's good enough to be a solid starter. Um, I'd like to see why Tevin Coleman beat him out. Um, I have yet to see like a definitive answer on why Matt Breida was the backup in the first place. But now Breida gets the chance to show uh, the 49ers organization that he deserves to be a starting running back, even when Coleman comes back. Um, I went back and forth on whether to put quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo as a sleeper or a bust, and I still couldn't decide because I feel like it could go either way. Um, Either Garoppolo will have a successful day passing uh, or the run game will steal the show. So uh, we'll see if the 49ers use Pettis more. He was only out there for two snaps last week, and um, they're talking about how he was still dealing dealing with a groin injury, which is why he saw saw such limited field time. Um, But despite Coleman being out, Brita also has company with running backs Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert. I predict by, you know, Saturday, maybe Sunday at the latest, they'll push Jeff Wilson up to the number three spot on the depth chart and have him be the backup to Brita this week. Um, But Raheem Mostert suffered a freak injury last year. Um, But before that, he was solid as a backup um so if both of them play it's going to be a really long day for cincinnati in my opinion i look at wilson and moster as sleepers at best um i would keep an eye on them especially if they do use a committee uh for san francisco this week because i feel as though wilson and moster can uh be used in the pass game as well so i feel like it's kind of a wait and see if you're in a deeper league you can go ahead and like pick one of those guys up and have them just in case and you're probably not going to use them this week you probably already have your lineup figured out or at least narrowed it down to a couple guys but it doesn't hurt if one of them has a great game especially with coleman's lengthy 
uh, time away to just have him as a stash because you know running backs go through the gauntlet of being injured every season so it doesn't help it does help to have those guys kind of just stashed away um, on the Cincinnati side of the ball I'm, I'm putting a start among quarterback Andy Dalton he had 418 passing yards against a solid Seattle defense last week uh, Seattle was projected to win that game um, and even though they did by one point I really doubt anybody thought that Andy Dalton would have that many passing yards let alone have a good passing day um i also have wide receivers john ross and tyler boyd as stardoms um i know a lot of people probably picked john ross up off of waivers they didn't have him. i'm sure people had tyler boyd just with aj green's injury but john ross last week caught seven balls on 12 targets for 158 yards and two touchdowns and tyler boyd although he didn't score was pretty productive with eight catches on 11 targets for 60 yards so if he gets a touchdown that 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 number you know boosts up six more points so he was just held out of the end zone which was unfortunate but both of them are solid replacements for AJ Green right now um again just like I said with Tampa Bay and Carolina especially if the run game gets going for San Francisco that could chew up a lot of clock so it could easily be a low scoring game um but it could also have a high ceiling um but I also see for Cincinnati, uh, running back Joe Mixon, I predict that he's going to be questionable at best to play on Sunday. So I'm going to sit him if I have Joe Mixon, um, just because you don't know, even if he plays, how long he'll be in the game. Um, and, you know, if it ends up being, you know, back and forth scoring, Cincinnati's probably going to have to throw the ball more. And with John Ross and Tyler Boyd having success, um, that might take Joe Mixon out of the game anyway, especially if they want to be cautious with him. Um, and I'm also sitting Cincinnati's tight end, CJ Uzoma and Tyler Eifert. I'm not really sold on Uzoma's four catches from week one. He is very, he had very low production last year. Um, and I think it's just because Andy Dalton had 418 yards that, you know, some of them have to go to an open tight end that not many people cover because they don't think he's very good. And uh, Eifert's not on the injury report this week, but he's not practicing. So there has to be other tight ends out there. And he's behind Uzoma on the depth chart, even with Uzoma not being a factor last season. So I'm sitting them in all formats. I certainly like the talk of, of Mixon, right? And that's something at this point we all need to kind of be monitoring. Uh, apparently he didn't practice today, according to ESPN. Uh, so it, I, it's kind of leaning towards that he won't play, and hopefully that'll make life easier for all of us. Uh, if he doesn't play, I really like playing Gio Bernard because he is involved in the passing game. So if it does get to a shootout, he won't be game scripted out of the game. The one thing, right. if I could jump in here, just say a little bit. Last year when Joe Mixon was out, Giovanni Bernard was the go-to guy. I put this in my DF, uh, DFS uh, packages. I looked this up. Giovanni Bernard was the man to go to, and he went and was running back just as high as Joe Mixon um, <laughs> in terms of produ uh, production in PPR format. So when Mixon's out, Bernard is a massive back because uh, he has the dual capa capability of being a rushing back and a uh, receiving back. So, if Joe Mixon is truly out, or if Joe Mixon limited, either way, um, Bernard's definitely a huge pickup because um, dump offs, just little slant routes. He's a good slot receiver when he's playing that role. I mean, Bernard's a—he's he, a fantastic back. So I would definitely keep an eye on him. Right. I mean, he was the starter before Mixon came in. So obviously, Cincinnati knows. 
the quality play that he has, which is why they still have him as backup on their team. And I also like the the call of getting John Ross, um, because I mean we saw last week. Well, actually, I guess I guess with the 49ers, it's difficult because do we do we put it all in stock of the Tampa Bay offense being that bad, or are we saying that you know did the 49ers get lucky they had a bad opponent? Or was that really the 49ers defense? So maybe testing the waters with Ross this week. He, he, you know, it seems like it will be as a, any deep threat a boomer bust kind of play. Um, I guess the interesting thing there will be see who Sherman covers. I mean, is Sherman going to stay on Ross on the outside? And if they move Boyd into the slot, is Sherman going to follow? He tends not to. So I would think that Sherman's going to play on Ross most of the game, which I guess maybe scares things a little off Ross. But again, maybe Sherman isn't that great anymore, and it was just Mike Evans' uh, illness. And this, this is, again, this is the whole aspect of Week 2 where we saw some things. Are those things going to continue, or are those things anomalies in Week 1, that is? Uh, any other, uh, I guess, uh, markups about this matchup, or can we move on to the next game? I think that's about oh, we're good the, to move on. Yeah, I think that's about all the fantasy relevant you're going to get. All right, let's, uh, let's charge to the next game. Uh, uh, the uh, LA Chargers uh, and the Detroit Lions. <laughs> so get used to it, I promise. Yeah. You, well, you either have to get used to it, or you just ignore it every time I say it. Uh, it it's fine. So in this game, I mean, there are a few obvious starts. You look at, on both sides, but if we start with the Chargers, Keenan Allen's the, a must start, I think, especially considering all the injuries in the uh, you know with the receiving weapons of the the Chargers. Uh, it was just announced, I think today or yesterday, that Hunter Henry will miss about a month, at least a month. So they're saying four to six weeks with a fracture on his tibia, or the uh, yeah, I had it here. A it's fracture tibia on tibia plateau, which I guess is that's just under the knee, right? It's kind of what holds the leg, you know, difference between the leg and the knee. So anyway, um, not sure if surgery is needed. The fact that he's only, you know, coming back four to six weeks kind of tells me that it might just need some time to heal, which means he should be okay. But still, that's you know, that's going to be at least a month without what some consider to be their secondary passing weapon. And then the other guy that was kind of in that consideration, Mike Williams, uh, apparently, Anthony Lynn said he's concerned that Williams may not be able to play next week. I know he, he left the week one matchup with the Colts and didn't return. Uh, so there's, you know, it just the first thing I, I take from this is Keenan Allen's probably going to see even more targets than before. But then suddenly guys like Travis Benjamin or Dontrell Inman, Inman did see a red zone target last week. Um, anyway, they both become sneaky options in this game. Again, especially uh, something I referenced earlier, this is going to be an indoor game. Two quarterbacks that are veterans that know how to how to sling the ball around, and th- this could be end up being a big shootout game. I know there's talent on both defensive sides, uh, but it does kind of strike me as one of those games that we're going to want pieces of on both sides. So those pieces in Detroit, I think specifically, are you know Carryon Johnson, the running back, who does have some involvement in the passing game. We didn't see too much of that in Week One. Um, but certainly, I think Kenny Galladay is a, a strong play, even though he may see Casey Hayward. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's a good play, even though the Colts' tight ends last week didn't do so well. I think, uh, you know, he, he showed a lot as a rookie right off the bat, and I, I kind of feel that Detroit's going to continue to do that. Uh, and I think both quarterbacks are obviously good plays. Rivers, Stafford, yeah, if, if, if you believe, as I do, that this game will be a shootout, then you're going to want to kind of attach yourself 
to either quarterback, I believe. So that and then uh, yeah, so the speculative plays, I guess, like, as I mentioned, Travis Benjamin, uh, Dontrell Inman, really Danny Amendola, Marvin Jones, T.J. Hawkinson, they're all kind of you know maybe plays. And depending on the state of tight end, Hawkinson might actually elevate to a must play uh, if you're you know you don't have any other options at tight end. Uh, I think that's kind of all that I need to say about the matchup. I guess the one thing. Okay, the one so worry I want to jump on, in. You said um, Casey Hayward coming in on Kenny Galladay, and uh, I think Kenny Galladay is actually a sit him in this matchup, despite it being a shootout. I think Casey Hayward is really going to uh, take Galladay out of the game. And from my personal opinion, not backed up by many stats at all, honestly, I just really am not a fan of Kenny Galladay. But that being said, if Casey Hayward is on him, Kenny Galladay has not shown me that he is able to make many adjustments in game uh, to adjust to the coverage. So I really think that's going to open up uh, a sneaky play for Danny Amendola. I know you touched on that a little bit. He had 13 targets in week one, uh, which was kind of unheard of. His really only miscue was in overtime when he, for some reason, went away from the sidelines and landed in bounds. Um, but having 13 targets is something that you can't ignore. And even though he only had seven catches, I'm pretty sure he had over 100 yards in the game. Um, so Stafford kind of looked to use him as like utility and just as like a safety valve. Um, so especially when people are tied up on the outside, like Marvin Jones and TJ Hawkinson, I think he's going to be pretty open in the middle. Um, so I would, I would look at Danny Amendola. I actually picked him up in my $100 money league. So that's how much stock I have on him right now. Um, but then someone that I'm surprised that you didn't mention for the Chargers was Austin Eckler. Um, he either had two or three touchdowns last week, even yeah. with Mike Williams and Hunter Henry playing in that game. And now that they're out, his stock has to rise. Um, he has to be owned in all leagues. If he's not, you better go pick him up right now. Um, he should have been drafted. And I think he's arguably better than Melvin Gordon when it comes to being in the passing game. So if their passing weapons are weakened uh, with Mike Williams actually being out, and obviously Hunter Henry's out, and, you know, we haven't been notified if Antonio Gates has gotten that call yet to come on back. But um, Austin Eckler has to be a must start. I would start him over just about any running back this week. Um, he's going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to rush the ball a lot. Um, and I just expect him to be the leading touchdown guy. I mean, it might help take the pressure off of Keenan Allen in the game by throwing him too. So I think Austin Eckler is definitely a must start this week. That's a great point, Kayla. And actually looking at it, uh, both Eckler and Justin Jackson got red zone touches. So it's not as if Eckler had all those opportunities. He was just the guy to capitalize on those opportunities. So that, that's actually right. a good point. I don't, I don't know why I forgot him either. Uh, <laughs> you, you seem a bit more organized than us. So that maybe your, your presence on the show will help us. I just really like Philip Rivers, so he got a lot of touchdowns because of Eckler last week in fantasy. So yeah, receiving one rushing for Eckler. <laughs> Eckler mm-hmm. got receiving touchdowns and 96 yards off of Rivers, and Eckler also ran it in for one off of 58 yards. So I definitely like that. You know, the 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 biggest thing for me is I like to look at the injury report a lot, uh, simply because you know you you can look at great guys all day, but if if they have the perfect guy that's out then you definitely have a good wide receiver CB matchup. And looking at the Lions injury report and the Chargers, I want to start with the Chargers injury report, but uh, Isaiah Rochelle, the defensive end that's right behind Joey Bosa when they rotate him out, uh, he didn't practice Wednesday with a concussion, so that's not a good sign. Um, it's a concussion, so it's never good. And you said this is an indoor game. 
Well, Mike Bagley, he's got a groin injury, so that that and he was very limited in practice Wednesday, so that's not really making me feel good about uh, Bagley uh, for kicking. Um, Perryman well, and and to be fair, t- uh, he didn't play last week either. And Ty Law, former former CFL kicker, uh, who's supposed to be the Chargers punter, is now having to play double duties, and he made some field goals, so I th- I think he'll be fine. Oh, I mean that th- that's great. Um, but people, but people who uh, went after Bagley, you know, they're they're having to scramble. So you know, there you go, Kyle. You just told them a name that they have to go get, and he's a CFLer. And he used to play for the Lions, so maybe that's good juju that he's playing against the Lions this time. BC that's, Lions, that's, BC Lions. That, I'm talking about, of course. Oh come on, Kyle. I was going to say that's what we call America a revenge game. Um, no, but going going on to injury report, Denzel Perryman, the backup, Thomas Davis Senior. He's questionable. He doesn't look good to play. Uh, the backup wide receiver, uh, Jeremy Davis, hamstring, that's not looking good. Mike Williams, the big name that everyone's looking for, uh, crossing Keenan Allen, uh, they were uh, asked if they were concerned about his knee. Anthony Lynn said absolutely he's concerned. So that does not fill me with pride and you know happiness that the head coach is concerned about the knee injury to Mike Williams. So uh, you want to look somewhere else. Trevor Williams, the uh, slot CB, he's on the IR with the quad injury. I mean, and then they have another CB who's suffering from a hamstring from the game from the Colts. And then obviously you got Melvin Gordon out. So I mean, it that's not filling me up with a um, whole lot of confidence. But still, it, when you look at the Charger defense overall, I think they're doing a lot better. So I wouldn't expect Hawkinson and. Um, um, Marvin Jones, like Kayla said, to have huge days. I would look for slot guys, short routes, uh, probably out of the backfield, you know, them um, carry on Johnson for the Lions. And then when you look at the Lions versus the Chargers, I mean, the Lions um, injury report, Jared Davis, their linebacker, he was limited in practice. He had a bust-up ankle. Um, Rasheem Melvin, their corner, he's hurt. Um Taylor Deckard, starting line, O-lineman, that he's hurt. So when you're going up against Bosa and Ingram, when you have an O-lineman that's hurt, that's no bueno. <laughs> you're going to get hit a lot. So I like, I definitely like the, the Chargers defense in this game. And the other person I like in this game, like you guys said, is Rivers, Eckler, uh, Keen Allen, and um, Dontrell Emmon. You know, with uh, Mike Williams hurt, Dontrell Emmon looks like he's going to have a huge day. Um, that, yeah, I mean, uh, as far as the Lions go, obviously you go for Stafford, great guy, good thrower. Um, other than that, I really can't see maybe Amadola, but I can't see many guys because they're going to have Hawkinson on lockdown. Uh, they're definitely a lot better, um, the, uh, run stop than the, uh, Cardinals are. So. That worries me a little bit about carry on, but I don't know. CJ Anderson looking like a better bet than carry on uh, in this game. Uh, I guess the only thing that concerns me with uh, CJ Anderson is his lack of usage in the passing game. And again, with uh, the one thing I, that I took away from all those injuries that you read is there's a lot of defensive injuries. So I, I think my theory of, I guess Taylor Decker, maybe one of the only things for the Lions, but. You know, my theory of it being a shootout, I think, definitely helps carry on. But you're right. Both got red zone carries, so it's not as if carry on has a monopoly on early down carries. 
And it's not like they they score. They they had like what four red zone uh, carries, something like that. A piece. I think they they well no they I think they combined for a total of three red zone carries. Three red zone carries. They didn't yeah. score a touchdown on any of those carries. Nope, it was nope. all um, thrown through the air. Yeah. Yeah, it was all through the air. So that worries me a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, that's true. And again, but I think if it does go through the air, that definitely favors carry on. But you're right, maybe some hesitation with, with playing him automatically. Um, now let's go to the Chargers' week one opponent, the Colts, Alessandro. The Colts at the Titans in this divisional game. So care to lead us off? Yeah, man. I mean, if you want to crown them, then crown them. That fueled us. <laughs> I had Delaney to throw Delaney Walker, my man. Delaney Walker. I love him. He was brash. He was cocky. And he straight up said what needed to be said. And you know what? I want to say what needs to be said. The Colts are bad. The Titans are great. I love it. I don't uh, know if the Colts are bad, though. I mean, they almost beat the Chargers last week. When I, when I say bad, I mean like bad men. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Those, those offensive linemen are, are some real bad men. I mean, that, that offensive line, I'm pretty sure, is like one of the best in the football league. I'm pretty sure it yeah. overtook the Steelers. <laughs> yep, Steelers, Saints, Eagles, Colts. That's like those are the elite tier of offensive lines. Oh yeah, I mean, and and going into this game, you got Marcus Mariota, who everyone thought gave got just enough rope to hang himself for Tannehill to come in. Nope, he turned around, fourteen for twenty-four, two hundred and forty-eight yards, three touchdowns. He had a very good game against the Browns, who everyone was crowning. And as Delaney Walker said, if you want to crown him, crown him. But you know what? They got decrowned. <laughs> um, Marcus Mariota just tore up the Browns, 43-13. I was surprised as anyone. I thought he was going to do bad, but no. He did really good. Didn't, didn't surrender an interception, unlike Baker Mayfield's three interceptions. Um, he did get sacked a couple of times, which worries me about his O-line, but it's I'm not too concerned. Still, 248 yards. The, the person who received the most was A.J. Brown in that game. Um, and then King Henry had that one whoo, 75-yard touchdown run. He just took the ball and just ran. Um, so he got it. And then uh, Delaney Walker, the big man himself, he also got a couple of love. Two touchdowns, 55 receiving yards. I like him big in this game. He's definitely going to be a factor considering the Colts cannot defend against the big body tight end. And Delaney Walker is a big body tight end. Let's be honest. You know, Deion Lewis, he would kind of fade into the background. Am Humphreys was pretty much non-existent. Corey Davis got shut down completely. If they did that against the Browns, who seem to have struggled against, you know, the Titans, I can't expect them to do much better against the Colts. Um, Colts may be worse, but if you can't get targeted against the Browns, then I don't know uh, what to tell you. Now, they could have a comeback game, but as far as I'm concerned, Colts are just going to shut down Davis again. So expect A.J. Brown and Delaney Walker to have huge days. Um, as far as the run game go, Derrick Henry, my man, I love him. 19 carries, 84 yards, one rushing touchdown. On top of his receiving touchdown with 75 yards, he's also going to be primed for another big game. Colts, not very good front line, a lot better secondary. Um, so expect Henry to burst through a couple of times. And then um, just the Titan defense in general. They got five sacks off of Baker Mayfield. 
And Baker Mayfield is starting to have one of the better O-lines in the game, but it's not there yet. And uh, they got five sacks off on him for uh, a whopping 41 yards. So I expect a couple of interceptions and a couple of hits on um, uh, Jacoby Brissett uh, against the uh, Titans in this game. And then um, speaking of tit- speaking of the uh, the Colts, I mean, granted we just talked about them, but the biggest thing for them, uh, Brissett, not seeing a huge thing, not really trusting him all that much. Uh, Marlon Mack, he got the majority of the shares, obviously we thought, because he's more of a rushing back. 25 carries, 174 yardage for one touchdown. I like him a lot for that. Um, but I don't think he's going to have that big of a game. Like I said, Titan defense, it's it's legit. They have a very nice front seven. And uh, if the front seven don't get you, the secondary will. Um, T.Y. is still going to be T.Y. Uh, he's still just a dangerous wide receiver. Uh, he even had a very good game against the Chargers, which is a much better defense than the uh, the Titans. So, again, still liking for it. But uh, Nikhil Himes, Paris Campbell, Devin Funches, who is hurt and out. I don't out for the him. year? Like, is, is um, I don't know if you have an update on Funches. I'm not entirely sure. I heard, I've I've been hearing conflicting reports, but I think he is out for the year. Um, Broken yeah. collarbone. He's on IR, so I guess we'll see in a few weeks if when it's. I think I guess they have six weeks to decide that. Well, broken collarbone hurts like hell, and he's on the IR. I'll expect him out for the year. Yeah, yeah, definitely don't think. Obviously, can't trust him today, but yeah, it does seem like. Uh, feel free to drop him. Um, you know, you league some fantasy leagues have IR spots. I don't know that Funches is necessarily the guy you want to place on IR to wait. I mean, uh, as long as as long as you don't have any other players injured, it's fine to do it now. But if, uh, say, a more reputable player goes on IR with the chance of coming back, I would definitely cut Funches for for that player. Like let's say, uh, let's say Mixon's ankle injury is worse than we thought, and they put him on IR. That's someone yeah, I think I is worth Mixon, holding on an, on an IR spot. But Funches, I don't know. Uh, he did get targets. He did get I think a red zone target. Uh, he yeah, did get red zone target, but he did not get a touchdown. Three, no. uh, three uh, receptions on five targets for 32 yards. It's that the it, the average is good, but you know when your longest is 16 yards, that still leaves two. You're looking at eight yards apiece for the other ones. You know that's good, but it's not going to be very helpful when your main guy is still got 87 yards on nine targets. So, um. But anyways, back to the Colts. Uh, Jack Doyle, Eric Ebron, expect them to have a much bigger day. Wouldn't trust them, so uh, they're boomer bust for me. And uh, Gail, you got anything to add for this game? Yeah, I'm glad you just brought up the tight ends in Indianapolis. I was going to say that Eric Ebron didn't have the best of games last week, and I think that's really telling with where the Colts' offense lies right now because last year with Andrew Luck, they were using Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle, and Mo Cox in a three-tight end spread. And uh, they, you know, Ebron came on in the second half of the season and was a must pick up in leagues last year production wise for fantasy. And, you know, if they're all quiet, it just tells you how much Jacoby Brissett still has to learn. Um, And then also in Tennessee, no, 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 you brought up, um, what's his name? You were just, uh, Funches. My only other thing to add about that is I'm surprised people have bunches on their team, but that's it for that matchup for me. Yeah, trust me, I'm surprised by that too. Bunches dropped it, bunches. There you go. 
the Titans actually present an, an interesting dichotomy, right? We, we look at snap counts as being, you know, pretty important, especially for receivers. Corey Davis led the, the receiving core in snaps. He had four, he only play, he played 45 of the 61 snaps. Actually, that was the most out of any skill position player for Tennessee, and yet he had zero targets. Then you look at someone like Delaney Walker, who was third in tight ends on the team in snaps, not even a receiver alone. He only played 29 snaps coming back to the, from his injury, but it did seem like anytime he was out there, Mariota was looking his way. So I definitely expect Walker to start playing more as he kind of gets more into Yeah, the Corey Davis thing, I think, is maybe the one thing we should touch on a bit further. Well, you know, well here's the other thing about that. Corey Davis was their number one last year, and he got shut out. When you look at guys like A.J. Brown, who had three receptions for 100 yards, when you look at his snap count, he was out there for like 70% of the snaps. Probably about 70 if you want to do the absolute true math. But let's say 75. Let's say 70 is a nice even number. He was out there 70. Corey Davis was out there a lot longer, and he he got shut out. But yet, you're going to allow the, the the rookie that you guys just picked out of the draft three for four, three receptions on four targets for 100 yards, with as long as being 51. Even if you take 51 out, that's still two uh, two receptions for 49 yards. That is major in the NFL. And this is your first game ever against a supposed crowned uh, Cleveland game. I'm, I'm still going to go back to it. I'm still angry about that. But... um. <laughs> My my question though is, you know, do we hang on to Davis or are we are we assuming no. that AJ Brown is coming in right now and is the number one guy and Davis is useless to us? I would say right now hold Davis on your bench just in case, because Davis himself he didn't he didn't come out huge until last year near you know the midway mark so, and then he just you know decided to go off. So well, I'll, he had he had a massive target share. I think he was like top five in the league in target in terms of target share. Um, again, just because they didn't have all these weapons that they they have this year. I mean, AJ Brown wasn't there. Adam Humphreys wasn't there. Walker missed the entire season. So it does seem like uh, that was kind of at least in Tennessee Davis's peak. And now this year, it's he's going to be even though he's playing the most, maybe the fourth receiver on the pecking order. Well, he does have Mario's trust, and but so does AJ Brown. So it's uh, it's definitely going to be an interesting uh, thing to watch. I know I wouldn't be afraid to drop him. Um, I I thought I had him in the league. Did I drop him? I may have dropped him. So you'll see if I put my money where my mouth is. Kayla, what do you think? Do you think Davis is there's hope there to hang on, or do you think we should just cut bait now and pick up someone with more upside? Um, I think there's hope just because you know you're talking about uh, what what's the guy's name. The receiver, it slipped my mind to have yards for them in the game. AJ Brown. Brown, Brown, yes. Um, AJ Brown. Um, I need to see more of him because he had a hundred yards, yes, but he had three catches. So one of the, you know, one of the big things is you can have a big, a big reception or a long touchdown, but if you take that away, then their fantasy day doesn't matter. So. Um, I would wait and see, you know, I'm picking up Brown. I'd put, maybe put him on your, your watch list. Um, but I wouldn't cut Davis just because, you know, try to keep as many number one receivers on 
or and number one players on your rosters at all times, no matter what. They're number one for a reason. Now, if they prove that they're not number one worthy, okay, obviously cut them. But after one week, it's kind of a freak game. I mean, how many times does Delaney Walker get two touchdowns, you know? So I would say just hold on, be patient. You know, in a couple of weeks, if we come back and we have the same conversation, absolutely cut him. But I'm not going to jump the gun and do it right now. Uh, I actually did did hold on to Davis. Uh, I think uh, what happened was because Hunter Henry's injury, I never like holding on to tight ends if I don't need to. So I, I cut him, even though that may come back to bite me later in the year. But uh, yeah, I guess I'm kind of holding, still holding out hope that Davis could at least get targeted in the next game. But uh, let's move on to the next game. Uh, I don't know if you necessarily want to, Kayla, but it's uh, the Patriots at Dolphins game. So I, I know your comment in the in the, the show sheet is uh, pretty telling, but uh, do tell. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> we thought week one was bad with a 49-point loss. Just wait, it gets better. So um, if we're going to go fantasy-wise here. I mean, most of this probably common sense, um, but we'll start with New England since they're at Miami. Um Obviously, we're going to start Tom Brady. He should have a field day with the wide receiver core that he has and the running backs because both of them, maybe even three if you count Rex Burkhead, are solid pass catchers. Now, I wouldn't start Burkhead in this matchup, surprisingly. Maybe for some, you know, maybe we're thinking, hey, start everybody on New England because why not? But um, I think Sony Michelle and James White are better running back and solid pass catching options over Burkhead. I mean, he might be able to help Tom Brady, you know, move the change. Burkhead, that is. Um, but I would start both Sony Michelle and James White. You could start them in your flex if you have two other wide receivers that or two other running backs that you want to start. Um, but I think both of them are going to be set up for quality days in the past game. Um, but also, you know, the Dolphins defense, who are they even guarding last week? So they'll probably just run right up the middle or to the right or to the left or diagonal or backwards and then forwards, and they'll still do well. So I think when it comes to wide receivers, um, also would start Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon. You could play Philip Dorsett in your flex. I'm also going to start the Patriots defense here looking for turnovers it took ryan fitzpatrick three passes thrown interception last week and it took josh rosen just one so you know that with the patriots defense who won by 30 points over pittsburgh when many people thought that was going to be a much closer game than it was you obviously have to start them here and it also helps that the dolphins will most likely have low points against here um my only concern with tom brady is that if Sony Michelle and James White take off on the ground, he might not get as many points, especially touchdown points. Um, and if, you know, the score is going to be uh, really bad, really fast for the Dolphins, then they might pull him because um, why would you play Brady in a game when you're up by 40 points? Doesn't make much sense. Um, but I do have a bust alert in this game, and a lot of people might uh, disagree with me, but Antonio Brown is on my bust alert watch because, uh, one, if he plays, we don't need to get into that. But um, he hasn't necessarily learned the offense yet, and, you know, some could argue Brady's just going to dump and pass him the ball if he's open. Okay, that's great, but they do run plays too. But there's just too many people to go around with the ball right now, and this game is most likely going to have quick scoring drives with the way that uh, New England's offensive line and their players just, you know, well, the offensive line helps the players get open and just, you know, what the – receiving core and running backs are going to be able to do for new England. Um, so 
I, I think I would wait on Antonio Brown. That might sound a little crazy, but I think you have better options with people who have been with their teams a little bit longer, and obviously you're going to have to watch to see if he does even play. He did practice yesterday. I believe he did practice today, um, but you know that ruling with his latest news could come at any time or he could be put on the exempt list. Um, moving to the Dolphins' side of the ball, shouldn't be a surprise for anybody. Uh, start no one. Sit everyone. <laughs> Hey, Kayla, I, I understand we're a- AFC East divisional rivals, but I want to tell you a stat that should make you a little bit happy, but it's not fancy relevant. Actually, it is fancy relevant. In during Tom Brady's tenure, when he plays down in Miami, he is not very good. I know. The Dolphins are 4-1 in the last five games um, at home against New England, but, I mean, I would say... Like I said earlier, Miami should just go to the waiver wire and try to do a whole new team. But they've already done that, and they're still horrible. So what other options do they have but try to work together? And hopefully by later points in the season, they might have something to show for it. But against New England, they're not going to have anything. Uh, well, you know what? They probably will do something later on in the season after they're done with their mutiny with the head coach, Brian Flores. Uh well, I mean, as Kayla said, don't trust anyone in Miami, obviously. You know, being a divisional rival with the Jets, I could speak from experience. Don't trust Miami at all. Um, here's the thing with the Patriots. Tom Brady scares me a little bit. Um, you know, going off that game, he's not been very good uh, against Miami for some reason in Miami. I don't understand it. Uh, the 11 contest when they play in Hard Rock. Um Tom Brady just does not do good. He is six and five with three to win. Three of those wins coming in the past few years. I don't understand why Tom Brady just can't play in Miami. I just who, who knows? It's one of those crazy mysteries of life. Like why are the Jets so freaking haunted? Um, uh, Sonny Michelle and James White. I like them. They're going to put up good numbers. I don't trust them. Um, if anyone I have to trust of the Patriots running back, I'm taking Sonny Michelle. Obviously, he's the lead back since he got most of the target shares or rushing shares. Um, last week, James White is more of a receiving back, and he got most of the receiving shares. But, you know, they're, I mean, you could dig deep in this roster and find some random. You could have Gunnar Orensky, who is a punt returner. <laughs> and he probably would do good against the. The Dolphins. Um, Actually, though, I'd argue that the Dolphins' special team might be the best part of their team. So, start them if you want, but I think if there's one bright spot in Miami, it is their special team. So. Who made that man a gunner? <laughs> uh, <laughs> more space balls. Anyway, um, he played one offensive snap in the last in, in week one, so I don't really see him as – maybe Jacoby Myers. I would be considered throwing well, a dart at him. Uh, I would still feel more comfortable playing Philip Dorsett, though. He just he plays a lot more on the offense. He played a, he, he played 15 snaps more than Josh Gordon did. Played 87% of the offensive snaps. So I think Dorsett, uh, well, at, least until, at least until Antonio Brown starts to establish himself, I think Philip Dorsett's a great play. And I agree with Kayla. Brown pre- presents way too much risk this week. Considering this game, considering their plans with Brown, is I would assume to win a Super Bowl, because that's what every Patriots plan involves winning a Super Bowl. I don't see why they would rush him out this game. If they really expect to go in there and just demolish Miami, I don't I don't see why Brown why would they would rush Brown in 
So I, I would I find it hard to believe that he's going to play this week. And no. that's not, and that's not even considering the situation going on. I just think that the Patriots. I don't know. Maybe I can't get this out of my head, but I was watching a football guy, Cecil Lammy. He's a Broncos insider. He's a beat reporter with the Broncos. He said apparently he's talking to a lot of people around the Patriots, and they're going to maybe not wipe the floor with Miami just because Belichick respects Flores. But to, to me, that says they're just going to run the football. So a guy like Sony Michel, he's a must-play. I'd even play Burkett. I know, Kayla, you seem a little hesitant. He got three red zone touches last week. So at least until Damian Harris starts becoming part of the offense, Burkhead plays an important role. He played almost as many snaps as James White. I think all three Patriots running backs could be viable flex plays this week. Well, I mean, they're always viable flex plays, first off. But the one guy you guys only touched on, but not actually going into, is Jacoby Myers. Hold on now. Kyle, when we when we were doing team interviews and we had Mike on here, <laughs> hey, Mike, um, I talked about Jacoby Myers. I love the kid. Undrafted, has a chip on his shoulder, and you took Nikhil Harry in the first round, who is on IR, by the way. And Jacoby Meyer comes in, and he only had one—he only had one catch off of one target. I'm pretty sure last week in their blowout against the um, the Steelers, but it was for like 27 odd yards. I mean, the the and, and when you watch the replay, because I was talking to Ian, our uh, editor in chief. Um, he showed me a replay that showed him just flash gording it. And he cut across the field in this beautiful cut route, and he caught the ball, kept running, but he got tripped up by his shoelaces by uh, one of the steel defenders. If he wasn't tripped up, he would have kept running the ball. Here it is. One for one, 22 yards off that one catch. And that was, that was huge because that put them in field goal range. Jacoby Myers, I feel like he's going to have a very nice target share. And it's like you said – they're not going to roll Brown out. And, uh, you know, even if Belichick doesn't want to make this a blowout, he's still, I mean, I could understand the first two quarters. He's going to play Julian Elman, Josh Gordon, uh, Phil Dorsett. But after that, I think it's going to be the Burkhead, the Wade, and the Myers show. I mean, he's probably going to rest his starters, to be completely honest with you. So, I mean, any, any Patriot game, depending on how far, you know, the score goes... You could see as far as Ryan Izzo, you know, come into this game for crying out loud. So, uh, just well, actually, about that, Matt Lacoste did practice this week, so I think once Lacoste is back, I expect him to kind of take over Izzo's role. So I don't know if I'd play Izzo. All right, but well, I, if thanks. if Lacoste is out though, I think he's he's a you know a viable like if you're really stuck at tight end and have no one else, and you're really chasing the matchup, it, it makes sense. But I don't know. I would I would hold off until. Lacoste or Ben Watson comes back before playing the Patriots. Well, I, I'm, just, I'm just using an example, but yeah. um, Myers, definitely, uh, I put him in my DFS. He's going dirt cheap in uh, FanDuel and DraftKings. He's definitely a very good option here to have. Like I said, they're going to play them. The, the score could be ha- could be like 64 to nothing at halftime for all we know with how good this New England offense is. So, Jacoby Myers can come in i mean he's second string third string something like that and you know they're probably going to see you know rough up the dolphins with you know the third and fourth stringers to see what kind of talent they have obviously you're going to take brady out because you don't want to get brady hurt so they're going to put in stinum and they're going to see how things go 
that's, that's <laughs> in a super flex, if you're someone who lost Nick Foles and we're relying on him, maybe maybe Stidham's a play. I don't think he's a play, but you know, if exactly. you really believe that Brady's going to be out at halftime, maybe Stidham, but I don't know. I feel like I'd, I'd rather throw, a, I mean, throw we're, the we're, dice on Trevor Simeon, but I think we'll get into that a little later. I mean, would, would you want to – I mean, think about it. If you're Bill Belichick, would you really want to play Tom Brady throughout a blowout game? Yeah. I, I also think the one thing, though, is we, we assume that this is going to be a giant blowout, but there there's – and no one will say it, There's a chance that Miami makes this close and forces the Patriots starters to play the whole game, which I think helps the Patriots starters in fantasy. That's why I don't think we should be afraid to play guys like Brady and Edelman. And, and even if they only play three quarters, if they only play three quarters, it means they're producing enough, so – I think for most part, player Patriots, and and as Kayla so elegantly put, don't play your Dolphins. Although I I know I'm still playing Kenny and Drake in one of my lineups. That's a little deeper, but uh, I I still can't give up hope on on Drake. Uh, <laughs> well, moving we on. Have the same opinion, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess the only good news there that I'll hint on is he got more. He played more than uh, than Ballage. Um, do you think that's an anomaly, Kayla? Or do you think that Drake? Really is gonna out touch or out snap at least a ballage. It's below. I have no idea. To be completely honest with you, I don't see why the Dolphins are even gonna try to run the ball because they're just gonna be behind. I know you said it could be close, but that's another thing we just don't agree on. Um, but I mean, I just need a bigger sample size. It's really hard, you know, the first couple weeks of the season because you don't know who's gonna be in a groove the whole year and who's not. Um, but based on week one, I mean, it, it surprisingly looked like um, Brian Flores liked Kenyon Drake more than Ballage, despite his training camp and preseason comments about that situation. Um, so, I mean, I think the Dolphins this week are going to just try to move the football any way they possibly can. They're going to scratch and claw and do whatever works. So, I mean, if Flores already threw out the defensive positions on a lot of the defensive guys and just said he's going to throw the best guys out there, whatever he sees matchup-wise, then um, I, I just think it, whoever's going to produce in the game is who he's going to roll with. Uh, I think we've spent enough time on this <laughs> potential massacre. Um, let's get to a game that should actually be really close. Kayla, I'd like to take the lead on this again. It's the Seahawks and Steelers game. Yeah, so uh, this week we'll start with Seattle just because our first since they're at Pittsburgh. Um, I'm going to start Chris Carson and DK Metcalf in this game. Uh, Chris Carson, he had a rushing and receiving touchdown in week one, which proved how versatile he was and how much Russell Wilson and the offense relied on his abilities. Um, and then DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett's dealing with a back injury and David Moore is out. Uh, their power lock, it's questionable for the game. I'm not sure if he practiced today or not, but he's dealing with an injury that could be long-term. Um, but even if Lockett was playing, he wasn't targeted until the fourth quarter when he got his long touchdown. Um, and Metcalf outproduced him, obviously. Um, anyway, he caught four balls on six targets for 89 yards. Uh, so I'm going to start those guys for Seattle. A sleeper I have is Russell Wilson. Um, if Carson is still used in the pass, passing game and Metcalf continues to produce, um, I think Pittsburgh is going to be really pissed off and they're going to score more points than three after being embarrassed on national TV. Uh, so it might turn into where Russell Wilson is forced to throw the ball more, and if Tyler Lockett plays, then he could be a sleeper, but he's not a stardom for me. Uh, that's why I picked up Danny Amendola this week. Anyway, um, for Pittsburgh, I have starting Ben Roethlisberger. 
because like I said, they're going to be pissed off. I think it's a comeback game for him. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg actually made him start of the week this week for that reason. Um, and Seattle just allowed 418 yards and multiple scores to Andy Dalton. So it's Andy Dalton. Uh, nothing more to be said there. Um, running back James Conner is sick, but if he misses time, then uh, Jalen Samuels is a start. I think for Pittsburgh to win this game, um, they're going to have to have a balanced effort in the run game and the receiving game. So Samuels proved last year when Connor had concussions that he was very productive. Um, so I would start whether Connor plays or Samuels plays. I would start both of them, just monitor Connor's uh, sickness. And then same with kind of monitoring his situation. Juju Smith-Schuster had a toe injury late, and although the MRI showed nothing serious, we see that a nagging toe injury, what it's done to A.J. Green. So um, if he doesn't have an injury tag, obviously start him. Um, but if he does, just kind of watch it. I'm not sold on whether to bench him. I don't think you should, but he might be limited, and that might cause his fantasy production to go down. Um, so if he does play, he should get an abundance of points after what Seattle gave up to John Ross and Tyler Boyd, like we already talked about. Um, but on the wide receiving core for Pittsburgh, I'm sitting Dante Moncrief. He dropped two touchdowns last week, and that would have been game changers. Um, it's plain as simple as that. If you don't catch the ball when it's in your chest for a score, then why am I going to play you on offense? Um, yeah, so that's what I got for that game. I actually agree with everything you said, so there's nothing really to, to poke holes in. Um, I think, just to touch on Chris Carson briefly, he could end up being a league winner just because of him going in the third round and he's going to produce, he is producing like a workhorse. Uh, Seattle literally ran five plays in the red zone. Four were runs by Carson and the other one was a pass to Carson. So he is their, their ultimate red zone weapon. That'll probably evolve and change things. He's not going to get a hundred percent of the red zone work, but I mean, Carson, there's, I don't think there's much question of playing him even in tough matchups. Uh, my question for you though, is with Moncrief, if you do drop Moncrief, maybe out of the starting liner for, assume he's going to see less targets, which young receiver do you think will step up in his place? Do you think it's the rookie Deontay Johnson, or do you think it's second-year player James Washington? I think it's James Washington. He had a lot of hype coming into the season, and I think um, if you watch the replay back of the game or just kind of look at some of their red zone drives or when they're in the middle of the field for Pittsburgh, Washington is open. He's drawing defenders away from players, but he's also drawing them away from himself. And Michael was a little confusing, but um, he he showed me at least in one week, and although I think he has to keep that up for me to feel safe about playing him a lot, um, that he can adjust in-game and figure out how to get open, and Moncrief wasn't showing me that at all. Even though he was targeted a lot because he's kind of taking on Juju's role from last year because a lot of guys were on Juju in that game. Um, since he's a number one wide receiver, Moncrief showed me that he can't catch the football. And when you can't catch the football, you have to look to other guys. And luckily for Pittsburgh, their guy to look at is James Washington. He was open a lot of times, and Roethlisberger just missed him. And I think um, hopefully in practice this week, Pittsburgh kind of worked on that and you know, it was pointed out to Roethlisberger that Washington was open. So I think if anyone has to step up, it's definitely James Washington. Uh, Alessandro, any comments about this game? Oh, Caleb hit it on the head. I mean, I, I agree with everything. Um, I, I hate that Russell Wilson's a sleeper in this, but always, uh, honestly, he really is. And um, Moncrief, I agree with that. Juju, 
I mostly agree with that. It, it still scares me what happened with the Patriots, but obviously Seattle gave up more passing yards, so I like that. Connor, Roethlisberger, Carson, I would boot a lot higher. But Metcalf, everyone, I agree with everything. The one thing with Ben, this is uh, the, the home road splits for Ben, right? Those, those are real things, right? So, you know, Ben being at home, certainly look to have him play better and produce. Um, okay, yeah. so we are... Yes? Tell me about the Minnesota game. Uh, sure. So, um, I'm a little nervous going in as a Packers fan. Um, but I think the, the obvious things off the bat are Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams. You know, those, are, those guys are safe, secure must-starts. Uh, you know, Rodgers put up double-digit points last week. It was barely double digits, but he, I think he had about 12 fantasy points against a really tough Bears defense. Now he plays a really tough Vikings defense. So uh, if I look what they did to Matt Ryan, I see some serious concern. But then I also look that the Packers' offensive line is better than what the Falcons' offensive line has to offer, at least, you know, in terms of having chemistry, right? I mean, the, the Falcons are kind of, they added two new rookies in. They're still kind of gelling, right? Whereas... Yeah, the Packers added a new right guard in Billy Turner, but he seems to have gelled really quickly with uh, both Lindsley and, and Bulaga, who, who play next to him. Uh, so I'm a, you know, a little bit more hopeful, but I'm certainly looking at Aaron Jones as someone I, I, I'm looking to avoid. I know it's going to be tough. I think I have him in one league, and, I, and it's it's trying to find a, a, ma- a matchup that's suitable to replace him. Uh, but if, if you can find options outside of Aaron Jones, I would look to do that, because I, I see this game going pretty similar to how the Chicago game went. There's not going to be much room to run on the ground, and it's going to be miracle plays by Rodgers that are going to make the day. So it's, uh, Jones will have great starts, but it's not this week. Uh, as for the other receivers, I'm I'm concerned. I'm I'm not really sure how Minnesota is going to attack uh, the Packers receivers in terms of who's going to cover who. Uh, if Adams plays as much in the slot as he did in Week One, he may actually avoid Xavier Rhodes and then thus have a really good game. But then that also means. Rhodes is going to be either on Allison or Marquez Valdez-Scantling, and then I really don't trust either of them. Uh, they've got good linebackers to cover a guy like Jimmy Graham, so I'm not, I don't think that Jimmy Graham's necessarily a locked-in play either. Um, as on the other side, I guess that Dalvin Cook's an automatic start. I expect that the Packers are going to put up a better fight than what the Falcons did, so that's going to force Kirk Cousins to throw more than 10 passes. Um, and even with only 10 passes, most of that went to Thielen and Diggs. I feel like you have to start those guys, but they're really not come as, as advertised. Like, you look at a guy like Hilton, who's probably going after them in most drafts, and he looks a lot more consistent than what either of those two are going to provide this year. Again, I doubt we see Kirk Cousins only throw 10 passes again, uh, and certainly not this week against the Packers. So I, I think you can play them, but do temper expectations for both Diggs and Thielen. Uh, unfortunately, Rudolph, 100% of the snaps played. It's even worse than Davis, 100% of snaps, and he, he also had zero targets. So I, I think uh, there there have to be other options at tight end that you can find other than Kyle Rudolph. Um, and yeah, I, again, in super flex leagues, if you have Kirk Cousins, you probably have to play him. In single quarterback leagues, though, I don't know. The Packers' defense is pretty good. they got a decent pass rushers, and the secondary is much improved. So I would, in a single quarterback league, I would look to away from Cousins. I expect Minnesota's plan is going to be to run the ball, limit Aaron Rodgers' time with time of possession. Kayla, what do you think? Um, I agree with basically everything that you said. I think uh, 
as long as Dalvin Cook can stay healthy, Minnesota is going to turn more of a rushing into a rushing team than a passing team. And we obviously saw that with the the ten just the ten attempts that y'all were talking about with Kirk Cousins. Um, that doesn't make me feel good as Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs fans. Um, Kyle Rudolph, I I've seen his stock decline a lot. Um, I'm not rostering him in any leagues. I think if you have him, there's somebody out there. I mean. Most leagues don't have Darren Waller, the tight end for Oakland, picked up. Um, and if you do, you're playing with experienced players. Um, so right away, I I would take Waller 100 times out of 100 over Rudolph, at least at this point, until uh, the production picks up for the Minnesota's passing offense in general. Um, Green Bay's defense, like you said, is good. It's definitely better than last year. Um, and I think uh, it's definitely, like, start of the week, uh, go to Dalvin Cook, honestly. Um, as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be one of the top running backs in the league. Um, as far as a shootout could go, this game could could go as a shootout, but also Green Bay's defense might just be abused by Minnesota's run game. Um, interesting uh, sit-em I have might be kicker Mason Crosby. Uh, last week when Minnesota played the Falcons, Matt Bryant had zero points. So uh, they went for two a lot. Uh, just because of the score and how Minnesota got up big early. So if it's not a shootout, I expect Minnesota to be on the winning side of this game, actually, even though the game is in Green Bay. Um, I I think that Green Bay's offense, with the talent that it has, could have done and should have done more against Chicago last week, even though they have a stellar defense. Um, because their touchdown came really early, and you have Devontae Adams, and the fact that he only had 30-some yards is concerning to me. And the touchdown went to Jimmy Graham. I mean, if I was Chicago's defense, I wouldn't really be guarding Jimmy Graham with the other players that Green Bay has. So, um, yeah, I agree with everything else you said, and that's my take. In terms of dropping Rudolph, I, I know I, in, I had Rudolph in one league, and I dropped him for Cameron Brait just because – Bray did get some red zone looks, at least getting some targets, whereas Rudolph didn't even see one target. Again, right. I don't expect Curzons to throw 10 passes, but I know I, I'm kind of liking what Bray has to offer. Alessandro, you have any comments about the, the Vikings-Packers game? You know, I really want to disagree. And I really want, and you know me, Kyle, love a good Duke, but I can't. You guys... It is spot on. Like we're starting to gel, man. It's starting to get a little scary. We need a little separation here. <laughs> um, but I agree everything what both of you guys are saying, um, except for one thing. Rudolph did get a target. He uh, did get a target. He, okay. He did, he did get a target. Didn't catch it. Ah. So, um, but that's that that that's the only quirk I have on that. And, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much all I could really say. Knock it off. That's it. Everything else is spot on. Uh, and I'm going to take a little audible here. I know we're over an hour in, and we still have over half the games to go. So I think the best thing to do is uh, we'll do one more game. That'll be an even eight, and then we'll do another the other eight games in a part two. How does that sound to you guys? Yeah, that sounds great, actually. That's fine with me, man. All right, so let's uh, finish it off with another AFC East team, uh, the Bills at the Giants. So, Alessandro, take it away. Oh, I hate that you do this to me. All right, so the Buffalo Bills edge out the New York Jets in week one. Josh Allen made it four turnovers, two interceptions, two fumbles, even though technically it was one on, was on his center. So, uh, as far as Josh Allen goes, 
that's scaring me a little bit. Um, he may be coming for a bounce back game. Maybe the Jets are actually a lot better defense than what we're seeing, and he just got slacked a little bit. Um, I'm not going, you know, as a Jets fan, I can't really, you know, just speculate entirely. But um, again, week one, we're going to have to see how everyone is, how everything is. But uh, Josh Allen was a limited on the ground game, um, but he did throw for 254 yards on 24 completions. Uh, one touchdown, two interceptions. He did get sacked once. Um, so the O-line is decently good, um, but he had a lot of QB pressure and a lot of QB hits. So while the O-line is good enough to hold the sack, he can't get touched, and that's not a good thing, especially since the Jets hold him to 10 yards with 38 car- uh, 10 carries, uh, 38 yards, but he did go in one for a rushing touchdown. So um, mixed bag there. As far as the rushing game, Give me Devin Singletary. Give me it. I'll buy every single stock you could give me. The kid was amazing against us. They call him Motor, and we've seen why. Uh, literally, the turn of the game where the Jets lost was when C.J. Mosley went out, who was who is the run stuff def- uh, linebacker. As soon as he went out, they started running the ball more with Devin, Devin Singletary, and he took off. He burned Blake Cashman. He burned uh, Anthony Wint. Like, it wasn't even funny. Four carries, 70 yards, no touchdowns. But he did have um, receiving carries um, in the uh, passing game, which was a major concern Buffalo had going into this game. So, Devin Singletary, five catches on six targets, 28 yards. That's very encouraging. So, um, yeah, definitely in PPR's format, uh, give me Devin Singletary all day and every day. Uh, Frank Gore, he was he had the most of the targets, but he kept getting battered and he couldn't move. Eleven carries for twenty yards. Um, again, that's what CJ mostly in the game. So uh, mixed bag, take how you want. With the Jets' corners being pretty much obsolete, uh, John Brown was having was able to have a massive day. Ten targets, seven receptions, one hundred twenty-three yards, one touchdown. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to repeat that twice in a week. The Jets' corners are not that great, but the Giants' corners are even worse, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, so definitely John Brown's the number one. Definitely see him for another big game. Cole Beasley, he had a decent game, five catches off of nine targets. So that is a little bit scary, but he did have 40 yards, so I like that. Um, Zay Jones really wasn't effective in this game. He had... Four targets, uh, only catch it twice for 18 yards, but his longest was 20, so he did go back in yardage on his second catch, which is worrisome. Uh, Zay Jones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but as far as uh, Josh Allen goes, it's he's a mixed bag. Um, I can't tell you if the Jets' defense or if Jets' front seven is that good or Josh Allen is that bad since he did have two fumbles and did lose a fumble. Uh he, he had two fumbles and lost both of them. Excuse me. But uh, they were able to sack Sam Darnold four times um, for four for 20 yards. So, uh, again, mixed bag with the front seven. But Ed Oliver is looking good. Matt Milano is a very good spy linebacker. So, definitely uh interesting matchup. And then you, Not that so, Eli is going to run at all. No, no. But Daniel Jones did come in in that game. And he did three for four yards with 17. He did three for four with 17 yards. 
So and he had a higher uh, QPR rating or passer rating. So uh, <laughs> definitely interesting. But like I said, uh, for the Giants, Saquon Barkley, it's a no-brainer start. Obviously, it's Barkley. Um, while uh, while the Jets' defense was uh, pretty good, our offense is uh, rushing was led by um, Le'Veon Bell, uh, seven carries, 60 yards, and he was able to power through the Buffalo Bills. Um, but he wasn't 100%. Again, 602 days without playing a single game, and he did that. It's pretty good. Saquon Barkley played off last year, and so I expect an amazing day from him. Um, uh, Barkley, 11 carries, 120 yards against a Cowboy defense that is mostly healthy. So uh, I could definitely see him having much higher yardage. Um, obviously, you're going to start Evan Ingram. Very, very good guy. Uh, he's also in my DFS for uh, tight end for um, if you want a good value pickup. Evan Ingram, he's, a, he's not exactly big body, but he can get into tight spaces like Jimmy, Jimmy Graham used to be able to do, which would make him a big uh, reason why yeah, they like Jimmy Graham. And he could just go off. 11 catches off 14 targets. That's PPR points right there. 116 yards. You get yardage points right there. And a touchdown. That's just that, that's just extra gravy right there. Uh, Cody Lammer, Sterling Shepard. Still, um, the, that's challenging considering the Giants have four um, line, uh, wide receivers out or serving suspension. And I'm pretty sure they just lost someone else if I read reports right. But I will have to check that later. Um, so, yeah, the only ones I can really see playing is Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley as far as the Giants against Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Kayla, any comments? Um, I think a stardom is Buffalo's defense in this game. I understand that they're going up against Saquon Barkley. Uh, but, you know, Alessandro, like you were saying, with all the injuries and the wide receiving core for uh, the Giants, obviously, you know, they're going to try to run the ball more. I mean, I know they usually try to run the ball more anyway, because like you said, it's Saquon Barkley. But um, Buffalo's not stupid. If I know that, they know that. So I think they're going to try to lock down in the box and just try to limit Barkley as much as they can. They're going to try to force Eli Manning to throw the ball, which is going to lead to probably at least one turnover in my book. Um because at some level you have to go, okay, well, Evan Ingram is arguably their strongest receiver and he's the tight end. And who else are gonna they're going to throw to? They're, I think they're going to try to lock down on Evan Ingram. They're going to force, you know, players who, you know, kind of know names to make the Giants, you know, use them to win the game. Um, I think Buffalo could win big in this game despite Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram. I just think the Giants have too many pieces of their puzzle just missing right now it's unfortunate with the injuries and the suspensions that they had don't get me started on golden tate he i don't think he should be suspended and i really think the nfl players association needs to do something about situations like this in the future but despite what i think he golden tate's out for the game um so he's not going to be any help at all um so i definitely think a must start is buffalo's defense and to your point kayla thank you for saying the buffalo's defense because i kind of forgot about that um saquon barkley did have a fumble but he did not lose it so yes. while he did have a fumble that's and he recovered, it's still negative two points. So, um, yes, thank you for saying that because I totally forgot. Plus, the other thing about it, Eli Manning got sacked once, and that's what Dallas trying once. After that, they really didn't try, or they just kept handing the ball off to Saquon. 
shortcut routes. I mean, they did attempt 17 rushing attempts and for 151 total yards. So they got the ball out of Eli's hands pretty quickly. And it, but yep. Eli did have 306 passing yards on 30 attempts. I mean, 30 completions, 44 attempts. So uh, mixed bag. Uh, but then again, Dallas's uh, pass rush isn't that great. Neither is the Giants O line. So I thank you for saying the the Bills defense. They are uh, most definitely going to be able to get to the quarterback. I mean, I think Eli Manning has a has a higher ceiling than some might think. But you know, as even if he plays really well, he has to rely on receivers who we didn't necessarily think would play for the Giants this year and kind of just be used in case some freak accidents happened or players didn't play. And I mean, that's where they're at already in week two. So he's going to have to rely on those guys to step up and help him out because, I mean, he can throw the ball, but if no one catches it, then it doesn't count. So I guess Benny Fowler kind of becomes that guy. He may end up being a starter for them this week if Sterling Shepard's concussion continues. I think you had it right on the head, though, Alessandro. Barkley and Ingram are automatic starts, and then after that, you shut everyone else down. Such a great defense that the Bills' defense becomes a great play. Uh, I don't. I mean, Josh Allen, I think, provides enough rushing floor that he should. He's a good play, and so is Singletary. But I don't know about a receiver like John Brown, to be honest. Uh, you mentioned the Giants' corners aren't that great, and outside of their number one corner, I agree. But Janoris Jenkins can still shut down players, and John Brown's never really been. He's always been a, a great deep threat. De facto, he is the number one receiver for the Bills right now, but he can't. I don't think he's shown the ability to be able to constantly win against a corner like Jenkins. So I'd be really scared of playing John Brown. I think Cole Beasley is a better place to attack the matchup. I'm always going to forever stay away from Zay Jones unless he's playing in the slot, which he's not playing in the slot. So, uh, and yeah, I don't know that the tight ends got enough work in the passing game, and they all kind of split snaps to make me think there's really a great play there. So I think. This this strikes me as a game that's going to be really low scoring and not really one that you want to stack too often. That's what makes the Bills' defense such a great play. And yeah, I, I could see with Singletary, he literally got the only red zone... Actually, Josh Allen got a red zone carry. He scored on the touchdown, but Singletary got a big red zone carry to set up that touchdown. Um, and he did out snap core quite a bit, especially as the game went on. So I, I think Singletary is a, a decent play. Well, he did run over the Jets, so... and. This was with a um, with C.J. Mosley being out. So, uh, for me, it's a mixed bag attempt. Um, why weren't they using David Singletary beforehand? Is it because um, Frank Gore got too tired or because they were just trying to exploit the fact that the Secretary of Defense, C.J. Mosley, was out finally? You can, um, no, 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 no. You are not taking Reggie White's name. He is not the Secretary of Defense. Hey, that's what he's dubbed right now, so I want to... Well, no, no. Well, whoever's doing that, no. That's Reggie White's name, and there's no one else can have that name. Certainly not. C.J. Mosley's good, but he's not Reggie White good. I'm I'm drawing the line there. That's where you draw the line. Yeah, I'm comparing C.J. Mosley to Reggie White. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that's uh, that's not a hot take. As far as run stop, as far as run stop, I feel like they're going to be saying edge, edge, uh, um, Reggie, but... Well, I mean, okay, but Mos- Mosley's good, but he's no Luke Keekley either, right? So, No, he's better than Keekley. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this just opened a whole new can of worms. We need, we need a whole other podcast to digest that one. I may, uh, even uh, edit that. Uh, I may even edit this whole thing out just so that no one else hears it. <laughs> but anyways, look. Um, yeah, so again, mixed bag. Devin Singletary came in after Mosley came out, after my other guy came out. I mean, 
Is it because we broke down systematically, or is it because this kid's that good? Probably both. But um, yeah, I, I definitely buy in Devin Singletary. Um, Hal, I, I do have to say this because we did talk about Jets and updates. Um, Le'Veon Bell, he went for an MRI on his shoulder. Uh, shows no tears nor damage. So he is trending towards playing time on Monday night, which is good since uh, Sam Donald is out with mono. Um, so half victory. But I have uh, but, heard of And before we say goodbye, I actually just want to, you know, I'm going to touch on this more in our, our upcoming matchup. But for a guy like Le'Veon Bell, where it's if he's playing, you play him. If he's out, he's out. He plays on a Monday night, right? So he may be your RB1. But you're not going to want to play him in your RB1 slot. Because he plays on Monday, you're going to want to play him in your flex spot. And that way, if he is out Monday night, that gives you more options. You don't necessarily have to replace him with Ty Montgomery to pick him up. You could pivot to a, a Jets receiver, perhaps. Or even a, a Browns receiver like Rashard Higgins, right? So I think, I think you know, even if Le'Veon Bell's your RB1, don't play him in your RB1 slot. Play him in your flex slot. and Wait to see what happens till Monday night. Well, yeah, like you said, a lot can happen until Monday night, and he could actually just be sat out altogether since Sam's being sat out, and we're going to get our asses hand to us. But um, I, I think that's, I mean, and, and that's something I do all the time. My, my guys that are playing Monday night end up being my flex spots. My guys that are playing Thursday night are never in my flex spot. I always want to put them in their, you know, secured position spot. I, I look at a guy like DJ Moore, right? You're probably starting him, but you may not. You know, you may view him more as a flex option, but you don't want to play DJ Moore in your flex option because if you're using... Your Thursday night guy for a flex. Suddenly you use that you you lose that versatility that you have with the flex spot. Even if he's not your wide receiver one, play him in your wide receiver one slot, and then worry because it, it's not as if you know the guy in your flex spot gets less points than uh, a running back one, right? So it, it, you know where you put a guy in your lineup isn't necessarily as as important as I always go you know go early, right? Put my earliest players in towards the top of the lineup and downward the flex spots or the guys that play later in the week. And I, I think Bell's a great example this week. He's someone you're going to want to wait and see. So yeah, play him in, play, play Bell in your flex this week, not in your RB slots. I agree with that. Um, well, thank you, Kayla. And uh, thank you, Kayla. Welcome. And thank you, Kayla, for joining us and, and becoming one of our co-hosts. I think we, we get a lot of great insight from you. And I think this episode went really well because of that. And thank you to all the listeners for listening. I appreciate the opportunity, so I'm excited to do more. Yeah, well, and I think we're looking forward to having this partnership go throughout the the NFL season and beyond. And we're looking forward to bringing you, the listeners, as much great content here on the Full Press Fantasy Pod as we can. Drop some knowledge. Yeah, brain power. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPC underscore Fantasy Pod. You can follow us individually. Kayla's at underscore morton salt 74 alessandro's at am underscore senator and myself kyle at niyama underscore ks uh be sure to check out all the full press coverage content both on twitter at fp coverage and on at fullpresscoverage.com uh this podcast is part of the full press radio network and we're also can be found um, on several different podcast platforms so be sure to subscribe there like and follow and as always, enjoy your football this coming week, too. We'll get to the second half of these slates of games in the, in the next day or so. But for now, thank you all for listening to the Full Press Fantasy Pod. <laughs>